This is Mako President Jerry Walker, and you're listening to the Conduit Street Podcast, the official podcast of the Maryland Association of Counties. Hello and welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast, the official podcast of the Maryland Association of Counties. I'm MAKO's Policy Associate, Kevin Canale, joined as always by my co-host, MAKO's Executive Director, Michael Sanderson. Hey, Kevin. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about crunch time here in Annapolis. Uh, everything's starting to come together. We have double sessions in the legislature. We'll also talk about fiscal issues that are making progress in both the House and the Senate. We'll then get into a MAKO priority bill. Uh, This has to do with the Public Information Act, Senate Bill 788. We'll talk about crossover and what that actually means and why it's so important. And then we'll look ahead to what's to come in the final weeks of session. So, Michael, uh, I mentioned we're getting into crunch time. Uh, Today, for instance, we're recording on Thursday. The House was in this morning. They're coming back tonight at 6, which might make some delegates angry because uh, NCAA tournament just kicked (laughs) off today. But nonetheless, they will be back in this evening. A lot of back and forth. Um, We're really getting into the thick of things. Right. And and when there was a great moment in the House as they're they're wrapping up their first session of the day and the, the leadership comes together and they talk about their plan for the day. And typically you hear announcements on the floor of the House of Delegates and it's like, here's the six standing committees. We're going to have our bill hearings at one. We might vote, that sort of thing. And today was just this avalanche of announcements. It's, yes. The committees are all meeting, but it's it's like we're going to meet. We have 11 bills to hear. Then we're going to have a voting session. And then we're going to subcommittees. And then we're coming back for more voting. And then you leave for a while. And then we'll see you at six back on the floor. Or we're going to take up a bunch of the stuff that we were voting on earlier in the day. You can you can really feel that, that the pressure's on. Absolutely. And um, yeah, a lot of the stuff that was on the list earlier today that they maybe didn't get to, they'll come back in this evening. I think the House may even be on in on Saturday this week. I know the Senate is trying to avoid doing that, but um, obviously very, very busy, and they're trying to get as many things wrapped up before the crossover deadline, which we'll discuss in a bit. Yeah, so that's that's something we talked about early in session, that's the nuts and bolts of the legislative session process. One of the most important days, it's not obvious to people who aren't part of this game, but this idea of it's a 90-day session. You know, you get to a certain certain point through and, okay, draw a line. House bills should be out of the House. Senate bills should be out of the House. So you have extra, you know, extra hurdles to clear if you don't make that deadline. And that's why everybody's in crisis mode. Yes. And so let's talk about we're starting to see some delays on the floor. If people are listening to the House or the Senate, they may hear uh, terms like special orders or I want to lay the bill over. Um, I know, you know, sometimes that just means really I just need to delay the bill because I'm waiting on an amendment or I want to read it again. I don't understand. Or sometimes there may be more to it, maybe something yeah. below the surface. So even even if you've attended public meetings or you've been part of a body that uses parliamentary procedure, these terms are unique to Maryland. I'm sure there are other places in the world. I don't know if, you know, Guam uses them or whatever, but but I mean, in Maryland we have some special terms of art for the way we do things. And one of them that you hear all the time in both the House and the Senate is a special order. Right. And people will say, I move to special order the bill till tomorrow, till one till Monday, that sort of thing. What 
I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a like, okay. We've already established we're, we're policy nerds. I'm also a parliamentary procedure nerd. Um, the the motion there is technically to make the item a special order of business at a particular time. So you can find something in Robert's rules that explains what that motion is, but it's basically I want to delay consideration of this particular item until a certain you know, a, a definite time period. Um, a special order motion is frequently is frequently offered when something is getting complicated or difficult or sometimes when a legislator says, I want to offer an amendment or I need to talk to another stakeholder. Can I have a day to get more information? That sort of thing. Right. So if you have a big bill on the floor and it's complicated and maybe somebody doesn't understand it or they want to go back to their folks, their stakeholders and say, do you think this is OK or do we need right. to add amendments? So you delay the bill until um, a certain time to just to, to give you time to do that, or maybe you're trying to hold up the bill for another reason. Well, I, and there, there's a lot of motivations here. And I mean, sometimes the delay is built into the process. I mean, both chambers have, for as long as I've been around, built in a special order when they introduced the budget. So the, mm-hmm. so the Senate brought the full budget to the floor last week. And the first thing they do is they bring it on the floor on a Monday night and they say, Here's a big bill. It's 80 pages long. There's 160 different amendments. We're going to be talking about all this stuff. So I moved a special order. Let's take a couple of days to sort through this, and then we'll have our full debate when everybody's had a chance to digest. It's, I mean, it's a fair way to play ball. And if the calendar allows it and the couple days don't matter, then that's fine. That gives everybody a chance to, you know, sort of have be caught up and do your homework in advance. But as you mentioned, sometimes uh, the calendar isn't as forgiving, like right now, as the days are ticking towards that crossover date. Right. So we'll discuss crossover more in depth, but the crossover date is looming. So now when you're starting to see these delays on the floor, they become significant because if your bill, if, if, you, if someone's able to delay a bill enough where it doesn't make that crossover deadline, it may make things a lot more difficult in the opposite chamber. So if you're able to keep pushing a bill off, then, you know, you could, you, you're really uh, putting the bill into question. And so I think now earlier in session, if somebody wants a special order um, or lay the bill over, I think usually that's pretty amicable. But now I think we're hearing well, okay, I'll agree to special order my bill, but I don't want to do it for three days. I want to do it until tomorrow or until the end of the calendar. I'm not going to push this for two days. Right. And there's there's a variety of different motivations behind this. And yeah, there's there's old you know, old people make the joke about how people ought not see how a law or sausage is made. Mm-hmm. So if we're kind of in the sausage making business here, that's a substantial part of what's going on. There's back and forth involved. And just, you know, making deadlines and things being held up from making the deadlines is, is part of the game at this point. So we hear that a lot. Um, both we, we've been trying to listen to both the House and the Senate uh, on the floor the last couple of days. And you hear a bill that starts to get get snarled up and the presiding officer, the, the Senate president or the House speaker might be pretty quickly inclined to say, listen, we got we got 25 more bills mm-hmm. we want to talk about. Let's get through those. This one looks tough. Let's special order it till the end of the day or maybe till tomorrow. And if that's the bill you really care about, if you really want it to pass, 
that's that's a matter of some consequence now, not like two weeks ago. Right. So we define special order. I do want to define laid over. So that just means that the floor action on an amended bill is postponed for one legislative day. Right. And that's a special privilege in the rules of the Maryland Senate. Any bill where an amendment has been offered, any single senator can stand up. She can just say, um, I move to that the bill lay over under the rules and what that you're entitled to a one hour period of time. I mean, nominally, this is again, we talked about a lot of these rules go back to olden days. The idea was an hour gives you enough time to sit down with the printed copy of the bill and sit down with the printed copy of the amendment and do your pen and paper scribbling and try and figure out how it fits in. Uh, in practice, sometimes it's I just want to get my act together and, and get my questions or do some more research or that sort of thing. And that's significant because that special privilege does not require a vote on the floor. Right. One senator stands up, she asks for the privilege, and it's over. Right. All right, so we've, we've talked about crunch time. We've talked about floor action. Let's get into now some fiscal issues that are making progress. Um, the House looks like it's going to agree on the Senate recommendations regarding the co- proposed cost shift uh, from the State Department of Assessments and Taxation. As you all may remember, if you've listened to the podcast, there was a proposal to shift 90% of those costs onto counties. Right now, counties cover 50% of those costs. Obviously, that was a big deal to MAKO, and we worked really hard to remove that language. Um, and, and, and knock that out. The Senate yeah. uh, knocked it out. The House looks like they're going to agree. Yeah, that's, and, that's, uh, that's on its way. Um, and that's it's a it's a big relief for local governments. We've talked about this. This is this is a county government issue. We're the ones who would be getting these invoices for all these state administrative costs. Um, it's not a done deal yet, but in in the budget process, particularly in the budget bill, but also informally in the budget reconciliation bill, what tends to happen is there are always differences between mm-hmm. what the Senate and House do. And um, basically when the two sides get together about a week and a half from now and start ironing out those differences, they will focus on just a list of places where they disagree. Right. So conference committee, you know, and, right. you know whenever they both finish up, they'll focus on those few areas most likely where they disagree and the, the big issues that they need to iron out. Right. And so what it, it wouldn't, mean, wouldn't mean that the House necessarily felt super strongly about this, that they wanted the counties to get these invoices and be billed all this money. Uh, but if this were something that the House and Senate saw differently on, it would require some back and forth and some ironing out. I think, you know, it looks, it looks as though the Appropriations Committee in the House is going to agree with the Senate, say this is a bad idea, take it off the table. And if it's not a matter of disagreement. It just won't be in the discussion document that sits in front of those conferees. I'm talking inside baseball language mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. there, but that's a really big deal to those of us who didn't want to see this happen. Yeah. So moving in the right direction, and, and we're also moving in the right direction in terms of our local health departments, right? Right. And that's a similar circumstance, a, a component in that budget reconciliation bill that basically said, we don't think the annual adjustment for state contribution to the local health departments is supposed to be adjusted each year by the general cost of living and the population of the state. Um, the idea is just sort of keep pace with their cost of doing business. Uh, the, to say that that increment was not affordable for this year, uh, the legislature sort of took a look at the overall fiscal picture and concluded yeah, I mean, we're not, it's like less than a million dollars. Mm-hmm. This isn't a big, not a huge this is, it's not a, it's not a big lift, but uh, we, we did flat funding last year, citing fiscal circumstances. I think everybody recognizes the local health departments are doing an awful lot on behalf of citizens. I think it's, it's a good gesture there. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And so, Things are looking good uh, moving through the House now. And as Michael mentioned, 
any disagreements, they will iron out in conference committee. So keep in touch, uh, keep listening to the podcast, and we'll update you when the budget is complete and right. passed. And on the on the MAKO website, we have been tracking all the budget analyses and decision documents where they affect county governments. And we, so we've got a, a big table on the MAKO website that follows this stuff. If you're into the details, we've got them for you. Yeah, mdcounties.org or our Conduit Street blog. Tons of information there uh, if you want to dig deeper. Also, huge news, uh, particularly for MAKO, uh, the highway user revenues. We've talked about this extensively on the podcast. Uh, A deal was worked out. The Senate is now moving that bill that uh, the House moved. Uh, It seems like they're going to concur with the House. That, That looks like the way things are moving right now. That's a huge deal for local governments across the state. Right. Right. And we we talked about this uh, last week and were sort of, you know, blown back a little bit yes. by, wow, this yeah. really had come together. Uh, and Bill's moving through the House of Delegates. That's great. And as of a week ago, what we had to say was, you know, we're hearing indirectly and informally that Senate leadership has signed on to this. And this is not just a an empty gesture. It's not just a House-only initiative, but this is something that's going to happen we saw the first the first movement, the first official movement in the Senate, the Budget and Taxation Committee voted out their bill to match up with the House bill. That's exactly what you would want to see happen if this really is a House and Senate leadership agreement. So all, all the markings are there. This is really going to happen. And if, you know, for, if you drive on local roads in, the, in your county or in your, your municipality in Baltimore City, um, it's good news for fixing potholes, you know, repairing bridges, doing resurfacing, all the, all the boring day-to-day stuff of local infrastructure. Is that we're, they're going to double down on money to the counties. It's a big deal. Huge deal. So, yeah, uh, we would get about double what we're receiving right now. This has been an issue for MAKO for many years. Um, Obviously, a big deal. It's one of our uh, legislative initiatives in 2018 as well. So we'll keep you posted there. But things are looking good as as far as fiscal issues go. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss another MAKO legislative initiative, Senate Bill 788. This deals with the Public Information Act. We'll also talk a little bit more about crossover, and we'll look ahead to next week as the dust settles, and we'll, we'll give you a sort of a preview of what you can expect on the pod next week. All that and more after the break. Welcome back to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale back with Michael Sanderson. Michael, let's get in now to Senate Bill 788. Uh, this is a MAKO legislative initiative for 2018. It's a big deal for us. And this has to do with the Public Information Act and really updating the Public Information Act because the Public Information Act was really written in the time of paper documents, and now we live in the digital age. Um, that right. bill was voted in uh, the Senate uh, Education, Health, and Environmental Affairs Committee. Uh, A couple late nights for us. Uh, Voting sessions were really late into the evening. But I was really pleased. Mako was in the room when they voted this bill. They had a lot of discussion about the bill. They brought Mako up to the table and asked questions. And by the time they voted on the bill... No one in that committee voted against this bill. Right. I, I know there's been a lot of questions, but I think that's really important to point out that that committee voted the bill out. No one voted against it once they realized what the bill actually does. Yeah, it was. I think I think that was telling, and I, I think it's also 
testament to how the bill got constructed. This wasn't a simple matter of counties or our police departments sitting down and saying, well, what's our dream scenario here? Mm-hmm. Um, this was a big investment. We we knew this issue was coming. There was, there was a task force a few years ago talking about body cameras, which is one of the elements of this bill. And I mean, to be, to be candid yeah. about it, I mean, this bill has three or four separate parts. It's got, it's got privacy for, you know, you don't want to have the, the PIA. This is sort of like the Freedom of Information Act in Maryland, but the Public Information Act, you don't want to have that trigger handing out people's social security numbers or, or their dates of birth, like, you know, cyber stuff you know, is, is, is sensitive there. So that's a common sense thing. No one's grieving about that part of the bill. Um, people who sign up on a newsletter, we don't want to have to give away their addresses and can, you know, reveal their personal information. Fine. No one's quibbling over that. What's left in the bill is footage from cameras and particularly body cameras. So body cameras is what if you are walking around Annapolis and you hear people talking about the PIA bill, they are talking most likely about the body camera component of this bill. And Michael, there's a lot of back and forth about what's in the bill, what's not in the bill, what the bill does. Let's just sort of go through and talk about that piece of the bill and explain exactly what the bill does, because I know some of the opponents of this bill may think that it does certain things that we don't believe that it does. And obviously now um, the EHE committee, uh, they they understood finally what the bill did when they, they talked to Mako and they talked amongst each other and voted the bill out. So yeah. let's get into to the bill a little bit and talk about what this bill does and why it's so important. Right. So, I mean, this is this topic is a candidate to suddenly get too deep really fast. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think it's it's easy to think about the Public Information Act is the, the government is just the custodian of information on behalf of the public. So a county government, a city government, the state government, we sit on, you know, for years and years, it was files of pieces of paper. Uh, Now it's increasingly documents that are, you know, electronic documents or now things like footage from cameras and so forth. We're sitting on it. By and large, this stuff is public. And if, if you as a citizen walk in the door and knock, you know, and say, I want to see, I want to see the documents related to the way they did my subdivision. You can get that from Mm -hmm. the planning and zoning office in your County. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's the, the, that's the essence of the public information act. I want to know how this body, you know, who testified on this thing that I'm upset about. You're entitled to know that. Mm -hmm. So part one of public information act is you presume that most things should be delivered to the public. Someone asks you should give Mm -hmm. now, you have some obvious carve-outs, obvious places where you absolutely say no. Someone comes in and says, I want to see health records. I want to see if your employees have various diseases. No, no, no. We don't do that. We have a list of things that are absolute denials. Bright line, no. And that way, you know, you're a public employee. You don't have to worry that your health insurance records are going to become a public record just because you work for a public agency. Again, no one disagrees (laughs) that there's a short list of absolute no's. Then you have a middle ground of possible denials, and Mm -hmm. these are discretionary, um, and they include a a wide range of things, but among them, you don't want to have something that's unreasonably intrusive on a person's privacy. 
Now you're starting to see where the button issues are, the the sort of transparency in government, a noble goal, mm-hmm. and privacy of individuals or public employees or public bodies and certain kind of decision making. Um, you know, now you have a, a little bit of tension between two noble goals there. And so I think it's fair to say what Mako wants to do here. We want to add to that list of stuff that you have to deny. So we want to protect victims, particularly of sexual assault, domestic violence, child abuse, anything like that, we do not believe should be out in the public, especially when you have cyberbullying going on. So, you know, you don't want somebody seeing you in a really vulnerable situation and then spreading it on social media. That should be an automatic denial. And that's what we're trying to do here. Right. And and without a bill like this, you you end up making it a difficult call mm-hmm. for a person who works for a police department who now has a bunch of footage co- you know coming from body cams well do i release this or do i not is it is this one too invasive or is, you know so i think a strong selling point for this bill is and this is why a group like you know um the mcasa who works for who works for victims rights mm-hmm. they're all in on this bill on the grounds that you don't want to make Make that a judgment call. Protect the victims. Everybody should get behind that. Even if you're pro sunshine, right? This right. is this is this is one of those limited exceptions where there's no public interest in showing the face of a victim of domestic abuse or child abuse. This, I mean, this kind of stuff. There's no there's no compelling public interest there. If it's coming up in court, that's that's a separate law. This doesn't affect that. This is just the un. You know the 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 random person saying I'd kind of like to see what's in that picture. No, um, and like that's that's the most important word. You know, word in this bill is the custodian shall deny that access. Right, and I think we we also need to make note and and explain that this has nothing to do with a person who has an interaction with a police officer and makes an allegation that their rights were violated in any way. So if somebody is stopped on the police by the police on the street, they're stopped and frisked, their car is pulled over, um, they have any interaction where right. they they say that their rights were violated, that is all still subject to the Public Information Act. This has nothing to do right. with those situations. So I think sometimes people get confused and they think, oh, you're trying to keep all police body cameras you know, locked in the drawer or on the computer. That's not what's happening here. Right. And and there are there are advocates who are concerned about this bill and they've cited a variety of scary cases saying, well, this thing happened and I couldn't get the footage or what if this happens and I won't be able to get the footage. But as you hear them, each one of them falls into right now, if there's an ongoing investigation then the police already have the ability to say we can't interfere with an ongoing investigation. Revealing this tape would do that. So for the moment, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Later, the answer will be yes. That's that's current law. This bill isn't about that. Right. And people are saying, well, I'm worried about police misconduct. This bill already says if there's either a formal complaint or even just a vague allegation, you know, I think this officer was going too far. I want to see the tapes. This bill doesn't apply at all. You don't have to go in and make a written formal complaint. You just can walk in and say, I think the police officer went too far and you can get that footage. Right. And so, so this has nothing to do with, right. with those situations. And and so what's what's left, and this is what I think the, the Senate committee came to realize after sifting through this, mm-hmm. is what's left 
are the most boring asks. Someone comes in and they're not saying, I'm worried about, worried about my rights. I'm worried that I got hurt. I'm worried that the cop did something wrong. All they're saying is, you know what? I'd kind of like to play around with that tape. Can I get like the last three weeks of footage for every deputy in and, your department? And that happens. Right. And that happens. You know, I mean, it happens in theory and it can happen in practice mm-hmm. when we've seen this happen. So, so that's the kind of stuff that we're concerned about with this bill. And I mean, you, you mentioned some people are concerned that this is going to lock up footage and that no one's going to have access to it. To be perfectly blunt, there are some detractors of this bill who are not sure they want to vote for it. And I mean senators mm-hmm. who are not sure they want to vote for this bill because they'd rather have all body camera footage just locked up and not made public. I know North Carolina has done right. that, right? right. No one gets the footage. But right. I think you know one of the things that we did working with the advocates uh, and all of the stakeholders of this bill is – we came to a middle ground. Of course, you know, uh, w- there are some situations where we'd say, yeah, we, sh- we don't want to have to release that, but to get on board with the Press Association, right, right. and Common Cause. These are right. sunshine organizations. Right. They're at the table. They support parts of this bill. They have no position on the rest. They're not opposing right. any of this. They think it's fine. Right. Um, so, so we gave a little bit. We, we've come to the middle ground to, to get there and to make sure that they're on board. Right. And that's, it's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, if you're the press association, I mean, it is, it is a deeply ingrained knee jerk response that when someone says we want to change those sunshine laws and have a little less sunshine, you say, no, 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 it's a no. visceral reaction. Right, sure. Right? right. So this was a process of saying, you know, we, we think in the process of taking these decades-old laws and making them apply reasonably to new media, I mean, you, you can't help but acknowledge that the footage on a body camera worn by a public official who's walking around all day and catching hours and hours of footage, in not just, you know, oh, I, I'm, the officer is talking to a citizen for three or four minutes, but what's being captured on that footage is license plate numbers and pieces of paper and faces of children and people in the background. I mean, the kind of sweep that you get with a body camera is just a whole different dimension than anything that's sitting in the file at the the zoning office about who testified on your plat. Right, right. <laughs> so, so this is, if someone walks up to a police officer and says, hey, which way is this restaurant or where do right. I go to find here? And the police officer says, oh, go down the street and make a left. Nobody needs to, to see that footage. Now, if you're the person who asked the police officer for the directions and you want to see the tape, you can. Right. But yeah. not somebody coming off the street saying, I'd like to see 10 hours of this or this or this. Right. There's no allegation of rights being violated. Uh, those tapes don't need to be released. So that's what right. we're talking about here. There is one opponent to this bill. We have tried uh, to work with the ACLU. Um, you know, They've come to the table and we've met with them numerous times. They want one change in this bill. And, Michael, I want to talk about why this would be really gut the bill. Um, The ACLU wants to change everything to a may instead of a shall. So in a situation where there's a sexual assault or, uh, you know, child abuse or domestic violence, they want it to say a custodian may deny the release of that footage instead of a custodian shall deny the release of that footage. And why is that so right. important that, you know, it's, it's, it's a deal breaker for us. Right. So if you, I mean, if you buy this argument that we need to provide some reasonable protections to victims, to the families of a police, the family of a police officer who's killed in the line of duty. I mean, sadly this happens mm-hmm. um, that, 
you, you can't say, well, we might shield your information. We might protect your identity. You know, the state law says it's a judgment call. So if you if you make that word may, you're telling the, the people who have to make the decision whether to release something, you may withhold it, but maybe not. And this whole section of law is slanted in the direction of the public, and, and rightfully so. Yes. So – you have to say, how strong footing am I on to say no? I can't release this information because it's it's too intrusion, it's too too aggressive as an intrusion on somebody's privacy, or it fits into one of these categories exactly. Um, I, I think I, I think policymakers want to tell victims we will, not yes. we might. We will protect your identity. Yeah, not not only telling the custodians, but like you just said, <laughs> tell the victims this is not going to be a judgment call. This is not going to be somebody makes a mistake and releases something that they shouldn't. You're not going to have to worry about something sensitive showing up on social media. We are going to deny that sensitive information from being released. And I think that is so important for victims groups like MCASA, who has right. come in, the Coalition Against Sexual Assault. They support this bill because they understand that that knowledge as a victim, you've already been through God knows what. You don't want to have to worry about that footage accidentally leaking out or someone having to make a tough call and, and put that footage out. So so as a practical matter, uh, we're likely to see, you know, we're recording on Thursday, we're likely to see this exact issue get hashed out on the floor of the Senate uh, maybe Friday, maybe Monday in the in the next couple of days, and and that'll be a hotly debated amendment. Uh, if if the Senate takes the amendment and turns that word "shall deny" into "may deny," uh, the bill is worth maybe a dime on the dollar of where it was, mm-hmm. and in, and all those protections for victims, for the police family, the sensitive information, and so forth, all that stuff becomes basically milk toast. I hope it doesn't happen, uh, but I, it will be a vigorous debate. So it was on the floor this morning, and we talked earlier about uh, you know delays such as laying a bill over or special ordering bill and today the bill was laid over right so uh, we, we expect the bill to pop up tomorrow friday um and i, I do agree that it, it's going to be a contentious debate and that's probably good public policy to talk the bill out that's exactly what happened in the committee mm-hmm. and they came to the conclusion that this was a good bill that this bill does protect victims and we need to do that right and similarly all these components that deal with body cameras have been in a bill that passed overwhelmingly in the House of Delegates mm-hmm. the last two years. So mm-hmm. it's not like this is the first time these issues have been aired, that the House of Delegates, and I, I forgot the exact vote, but it, I mean, there were a couple of no votes mm-hmm. on the entire floor two of the House. Three. It was a hundred and, you know, 138 votes for the bill or something along those mm-hmm. lines. But th- this wasn't one of these, you know, 80, 60 tough call kind of votes. Um, this, you know, this, once, once the whole argument gets to the light of day, um, just like in the Senate committee, folks line up and say, "Yeah, this is well balanced. This is a good idea." We'll see. You know, we'll see how much of that happens. The floor of the Senate is not conducive to. You don't call witnesses. You don't have sort of back and forth and cross examination. You just you get what you get. So we'll see what happens on those issues in, in the Senate. But it's it's a really big issue to local governments. And one thing that's lying in the background here is without some assurances that your police department isn't going to be run down with fishing expeditions 
under the PIA for the, for this footage, there are places that right now are reluctant to launch a camera program. And and if you believe body cams are a good tool for accountability for everybody, then you want them to be installed in more places. This bill is going to help that. Yeah, absolutely. This bill actually, like, you know, it would incentivize more police departments uh, or more, you know, it's not just police departments that use body cameras, it's fire departments. It could be anybody in local government who's walking around in the public. So it would incentivize more to do this. And I know uh, in, a, in a city like New Orleans, they've had a huge problem um, trying to go through all this footage and make redactions. And they're thinking about doing away with the whole program because they just can't handle it. Right. Um, we don't want that to happen, obviously, here in Maryland. So this is a very good bill. It protects victims. That's the bottom line. We, we don't want to make this a judgment call. So again, Senate Bill 788 should be on the floor tomorrow, Friday. That will be March 16th. And we will keep you updated here on the podcast, also on our blog and website. So, Michael, now uh, let's get in to talk a little bit more about crossover. We mentioned crossover earlier, but um, if your bill misses the deadline, um, and, and this means that if a Senate bill has not received a favorable report, been voted out of the Senate and get to the House by a certain day, which is early next week, um, you have to go through some procedural hurdles, such as if you miss the crossover deadline, your bill moves over to the other uh, the other house, but then it ends up in the rules committee, right? Right. So, I mean, you think think this through. You know, important bills to Mako have already moved out of the Senate and already moved out of the House. Like for instance, yeah, we've been working on a bill for nine one one moving to the next generation of nine one one service and bringing all the stakeholders together. And what's happened with that? That happened well before. I mean, those bills passed a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So the Senate committee voted it out. The full Senate voted it out, and it got assigned to the the House committee that has subject matter jurisdiction. So that's where it lands in the House of Delegates. The House has passed out their version. It goes back over to the Senate. There's plenty of time for each of them to align their bills together, get things sorted out. But sometimes that takes a little bit of effort. Um, if if a bill, you know, for instance, we're talking about the, you know we're talking about this this, this bill with the Public Information Act. Um, we're getting close to the deadline. It's a bill we really want to see pass. We want to see this get to the governor's desk and become law. Right. Um, if if this bill misses crossover, even if it passes the Senate but misses crossover, now we've got extra work to do because instead of being it being assigned to the House committee that would take it up for a public hearing and that hearing would basically be this bill is analogous to a House bill you've already heard. Here are the differences between A and B. You can sort that out, but they'd, they'd be hearing the substance of the bill. Instead, the Senate bill would be assigned to the House Rules Committee, and the Rules Committee meets every so often. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then typically the the sponsor needs to appear before the Rules Committee, make an argument for why the bill is important and why it needs to be promoted from the Rules Committee to the proper to the proper committee. But sometimes that's a day or two. Sometimes it's a week or two. Mm-hmm. And if we're down to three weeks left in session on a bill where the Senate has made some amendments and this bill doesn't perfectly align with a House bill, um, there are bills that die, not because people didn't agree this was a good idea and that we had the right solution, but the bills died just because you couldn't cross all the T's and dot all the I's on the paperwork. So I don't mean to be ap- apocalyptic about it, but it's a pretty big deal. You, so, I mean, an organization like ours, we take a lot of pride and we do our homework. We, we spend a lot of time trying to work with lots of stakeholders on our Public Information Act bill. 
We're really, really eager to see that get out of the Senate because we don't want to have extra hoops and hurdles. Right. So if you miss that unofficial deadline to, to pass legislation out of its original chamber, not only do you have to get the bill out of the committee that has uh, subject jurisdiction, you also have to get it out of that rules committee. So just another hurdle. It's a lot of coordination that that senator or delegate has to get in front of the rules committee and explain why their bill should be let out. And then you have to get it assigned to the subject matter committee and then you have to go. So so you're literally running out of time and all this stuff yeah. takes time. Yeah. And and I mean, let's be fair, too, that this political process sometimes starts to involve personalities and other issues. Mm-hmm. And if if you care about a bill, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to watch a particular bill, you want it to pass – um, or something you'd rather see not, you know, rather see fail. Um, you get past early next week is the crossover date. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about things, but you'll have we'll have a better sense of what's live and what's dead after that deadline because that's what the legislators want too. Mm-hmm. Uh, down, during these last weeks of session, it serves their needs to not be thinking about three thousand different bills. Let's focus on. You know, the three or four hundred that we really need to sort out. A bunch of them are passing. That's fine. Lots of them are dead. That's great. Now let's sort on, you know, the relatively small fraction of the total that need more attention. They need to go to a conference committee. We need to sort out the final amendments and so forth. That, and that, that doesn't mean a bill can't rise from the ashes mm-hmm. and move along. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a good example there is we've talked about small cell wireless. The, the public hearing on that bill isn't even scheduled for this coming Tuesday. But the sponsor of the bill is the committee chair. In the event that that bill got all worked out, that the industry players and the local governments and other people who are stakeholders all signed off and said, you know, we like this bill. Here's six amendments and it's good to go. I think the powers that be could make a big bill like that come together sure. in the final weeks of session. It's not like you miss crossover and it's just done for. But as a practical matter, you're just vulnerable to too many things going wrong. And if on a given day the the House is frustrated with something that happened in the Senate and suddenly the House says, you know what, our rules committee is just not going to meet on Thursday mm-hmm. or Friday or Monday or Tuesday. They have a lot going on. Then, then mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, your unrelated bill, whatever that spat might be, uh, your unrelated bill just lost five days of time and is stuck in rules for all that time. It's got nothing to do with your tiny little fix it for your local pension system or whatever you're trying to get a liquor license right, you know, and one right, more class right. D thing in your county suddenly that's all held up for for something unrelated to you you're just more vulnerable to shenanigans if if you end up missing these deadlines and that doesn't sound like a lot if you're not in this process but we the sausage makers are aware we've seen it happen yeah it, <laughs> it's it's a big deal around town a lot of people are running around trying to make sure that their bills cross over before this deadline. So um, keep in touch with Mako, listen to the podcast. And that's a perfect transition into our, our, our next topic here. You know, you said that the General Assembly doesn't want to have to be focusing on, you know, mm-hmm. 2,000 bills that, you know, they want to get that focus list done. We also have a focus list. We right. know now uh, the status of some of the bills that we've weighed in on, what's alive, what's not alive, what's moving, what's not moving. So Mako has a, uh, a focus list. I think after the crossover deadline early next week, when we record the pod 
Thursday, Friday, whatever it may be next week, we'll have a much better idea on where we are on like our top 20 issues, yeah. right? The dust will have started to settle mm-hmm. and we'll be able to say, okay, crossover's over. Here's where we are on these big issues. This is what it's everything's starting to focus now on our on our big issues and, and where are we? So I so I think that's that's tentatively what we probably want to queue up for a week from now right. is you and I can sit down and basically take a dozen and a half or so topics and I mean as we've talked about, county governments, we get invested in tons of different things, but we can kind of do a run through and say, this looks like it's dead. This one's definitely been voted down. You know, this one just hasn't been voted, but it, it you know, A, if they were serious about it, it would have moved. Mm-hmm. So that one's dead. Now, this bill moved and the amendments aren't quite what we wanted. So we got to fight this one in the Senate. This one moved in the Senate. It looks great. We just got to hold on in the House. I think you know if we spend if we spend thirty minutes on next week's podcast doing twenty issues and giving a minute or two to each of them, that could be a really easy and helpful roundup for for people who are invested in the whole suite of things local governments care about. Yeah, so that's what we'll plan on doing. Yeah. If you've been listening to the podcast, we'll cover all the issues that we've talked about on the podcast, and we'll also talk about other issues that local governments are involved in, other bills that we've weighed in on, which is a wide swath of uh, subject matter. So that's what we'll plan for next week. We should have a much better idea. Um, As this deadline approaches, I think we have a pretty good idea of where things sit, but we're still uh, watching uh, some bills very carefully uh, to see where they end up. But so plan on that for next week. If you have any questions or you want uh, a particular update on a bill that uh, you particularly care about, send them in. Yeah, we're glad to talk about it. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Conduit Street Podcast. Uh, As always, we appreciate likes on the pod. Subscribe to the pod. It helps us get our word out to more folks. Uh, Until next week, Kevin and Michael signing off. Tune in next week for that big update. We'll we'll make sure that everybody is aware of exactly what's happening on everything county-related. Michael and Kevin signing off. We'll talk to you soon. 